Welcome to My Empower Project with your host, Erin Rowe. We will discuss nutrition, fitness, becoming your own boss, and just becoming better every day. I invite you to join My Empower Project as we embark, embrace, encompass, and enlighten. Felicia Romero is an eight-time fitness cover model, IFBB pro, health and wellness coach, and last but not least, fellow podcaster. Thank you, Felicia, for being on My Empower Project. Yes, absolutely. This is exciting. Congrats on you. Thanks. So I was looking forward to meeting you a lot because I feel like we share some similarities in addition to being a dog mom because I saw your little little pictures. (laughs) But to keep it short, I got into fitness for a couple of reasons to escape grieving, honestly. And then I got into nutrition for longevity and prevention, but I simultaneously started competing in bodybuilding. Oh, wow. Yeah, to fast fast forward, I decided to take that knowledge of like the extreme training regimen in that sport and create a balanced, healthier way to maintain for other women. And I believe that, I know you have more experience, but I believe that you did something similar. So can you tell me about your corporate wellness? Oh, yeah. Okay, so to give you a little context, I've always been an athlete. I grew up as an athlete, never really dieted growing up. Like I didn't grow up in a conscious household as far as like, oh, you know, my mom never dieted. I'm I'm a Mexican. I came from a Mexican background, but we were also a very active family. And so, um, you know, my mom cooked dinner every night. I ate when I was hungry. I stopped when I was full. So the first diet that I ever went on was in my early twenties. I was in college at Arizona state and I was getting ready for a figure competition. So, um, you know, think, physique competitions. I was on stage being judged physically by my aesthetics. Um, And I did that for nine years. So, you know, nine years of being judged, critiqued, focusing on perfection with the body, the aesthetics, extreme dieting, extreme exercise, and pretty much your whole world is kind of revolved around the, the, the aesthetic, the look, and your gym, your gym time, right? So, I did that for a long time and through that um, did very well. I don't regret any of my past or anything like that, but I do, um, I do feel like it was necessary for me to go through because now I can help women just like you are helping women, but, and also to, to show that any extreme lifestyle is not good. Right. So I did that for nine years. Like I said, it was such an amazing experience because it awarded me such uh, great opportunities like magazine covers. So I've been on, you know, oxygen magazine, muscle and fitness, hers, flex, Um, I've got to travel the world competing and speaking. And, um, but when it came to an end was in 2012, when I was, I competed at my very last show and I knew that I was struggling that last year, it started to get very, very difficult to lose weight, to lose body fat. I was suffering majorly internally and I, my body forced me to give up. Although if, if, I was so defined by the stage and by how I looked physically. It was really tough for me. So post-competition, um, I, I gained about 40 pounds in a very short amount of time, six to eight weeks. I you know, had a lot of binge eating tendencies. So go from an extreme body, physique, extreme training to the complete opposite, not working out, rebelling from the gym because I've created all of these um, really horrible relationships, not only with myself, but with things that, you know, should be good for us. I developed resentment towards the gym. Um, I had a bad relationship with food. Everything was good, bad, right or wrong. I was an all in or all out mentality. And 
it took me a couple years to heal from that. And I'm so thankful that I came out alive. I've came out healthy and strong, but it was years of struggle and uh, personal growth and detaching myself from a physical being, from a physical look into being happy and feeling happy, um, where it's kind of guided me into the direction now. And over those years, I've been able to own brick and mortars, gyms, and um, sold all of them to be able to kind of um, work smarter, I guess, you know, like have my online space and be able to utilize and, and, and use presence in the online world to create an income and create impact, um, which now the last couple of years has kind of awarded me to be able to now help, you know, big corporations um, help bring health and wellness to their employees as well. And really coming at it from a place of wellness and not from a place of diet, which is what my podcast is all about, the diet dropout, as you know. And so I just, that's what I'm doing now and I love it. And I'm, I'm glad and so thankful that I'm able to spread that message of wellness and that never to take my health for granted again, but also to know that, you know, exercise and wellness does not fit a one size fits all box. It's, it's different for everybody. And you have to truly find something that you love to do and that's where I'm at now. I love that you help employees because I feel like you do better in your career when you have wellness in your life. And you, yeah, you mentioned all or nothing mentality. I actually just came from the gym and I, I haven't really gone consistently in three years since my national show. And I'm like, who am I? I was like, all, like all or nothing uh-huh. and went to nothing. So today I was like, day one, gonna train hard because I don't know the middle ground. But for, mm-hmm. yeah, it's hard. But for nutrition, I feel like in, you've been in the industry longer than me, but conquering the mind, it's a huge part of seeing results. So how do you help your clients see things differently than they have been? Mm, that's a good question. And yeah, that's another thing that's really tough for people because it, in society, especially diet culture, it's always like, okay, what's the latest diet? Like you said, it's Monday. I'm going to be all in. I'm going to be so good. And I think the key to that is, is really kind of taking it back to our behavior and making behavioral changes versus um, treating it like this complete overhaul in our life because it's not going to be easy, you know? And so I always like to approach it in terms of baby steps. So when I think of behavior, I think of, okay, let me, let me go ahead and journal and see what is causing me to kind of bring me back to square one or the whole start, stop, start, stop. Those people who starting diets, they're off diets. They start a healthy regime. Then they're like, oh, I failed. I just give, give up and I'm going to just do what I want. Well, the problem with that is you're going to continue that. And what's going what's to happen is you're going to set yourself up for not only metabolism issues, but mental issues, the issues of like, you can't follow through, you give up, and then you start to just let yourself down. And that perpetuates into that vicious cycle of start stop. So what I always tell people and what I practice myself, because I always practice what I preach is the baby steps approach and looking at my behavior and how I can change that. So for instance, um, Versus going into the week telling yourself, which a lot of people do this, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to work out seven days this week. I'm going to drop all my carbs. I'm going to give up alcohol and I'm going to go all in. So instead of going, doing this complete overhaul with your life, do one thing. And if that is this week, I'm going to get 
5,000 steps in a day, every day. I'm not going to change anything else. I'm not going to change my food. I'm not going to change. Uh, I'm not going to go to the gym because this is especially coming from someone who maybe has not been consistent with the gym. I mean, I'm only kind of, let's say I'm speaking to like my ideal client avatar right now. And she is that person who um, beats herself up for not being perfect. So we have to give ourselves small wins. And so the more small wins we have and the more that we can get those little behavioral changes, the more momentum we're going to build and the more that we're going to treat it like a lifestyle. And there's no, there's not going to be any more start stop. You're just going to keep going, knowing that you might trip up along the way, but you keep going forward. Um, another behavioral change that, that is helpful is understanding your, um, your, your habits and your triggers. So if you're that person who is like, again, using the, the person who's the all in or all out, um, with food and then you're, you know, let's say quote unquote, I'm so good on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, then you deprive yourself. And then all of a sudden Thursday, Friday, you find yourself binge eating. Okay, let's stop that. So instead of going all in with the nutrition, what's one thing that we can add to our plate that is going to help us towards our goals. So instead of like, so it's changing that behavior of I'm going to take away, I'm going to restrict and changing that thought pattern to what am I going to add? So one way to look at it during the week, instead of like thinking, okay, I'm going to deplete all my carbs. I'm going to only eat protein and vegetables. I'm going to be so good, quote unquote, good. Again, attaching a moral value to food. We got to stop that. Um, and the one thing you can do is, okay, I'm going to drink more water this week. My goal is to get 64 ounces for the next seven days. Instead of what am I going to take away? Change your thought process to what am I going to add? And again, all of those little switches, they're going to lead to some great momentum in your life to see some pretty positive changes. And you're going to stick to it. And you're not going to be that perpetual dieter or the person that is start stopping or really kind of taking you out of that mentality of like attaching an emotion to food. And it's a game changer. That's excellent advice. I also think I was able to make it through the trainings because of adding instead of removing and setting yourself up for success doesn't just happen overnight, like you said. So one small win is definitely the way to go. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Tell me more about what you talk about in the diet dropout and why you chose that name. The name kind of just came to me because I was so tired of diets and I, I think I was actually on a podcast and they asked me that question of like, oh, so what is your diet like? And I'm like, I don't diet. I'm actually kind of a dropout. <laughs> and it kind of just stuck. And I was like, oh, that is so awesome. So I like immediately, you know, got the domain and all of that. And I'm like, that is so perfect because I am the diet dropout. Like I was on diets for nine years of my life. And now I, I'm not ruled by the diet or the, um, the good, bad, right or wrong mentality. And I'm also not ruled by attaching a moral code to food, meaning, oh, I, you know, I don't ever, I don't look at pizza as, oh no, I can't eat that because if I eat that, I'm going to gain weight and it's going to, you know, I'm going to put on body fat or whatever it might be. There's no, there's no emotion to that food. It's food. If I want some pizza, I will have some pizza. And I don't feel the aftermath of guilt or shame or that I got to go to the gym to work this off. 
I enjoy it. But I also know that, you know, 80% of my day is foods that make me feel really good. You know what I mean? And so again, I don't label and nothing is black and white for me anymore. It's, it's more of like, how is this going to make me feel? And do I really want it? You know, so it's really tapping into your um, intuitive sense as well. And I think a lot of us, especially females, forget to tap into our intuition. And we just kind of jump on the bandwagon of whatever diet culture fad might be out there and, and kind of just learn to not trust ourselves. And um, I'll give you a for instance, you know, I, and I, I always, I don't mean to pick on keto. It's just easy to pick on because it's depleting a whole food group. But again, keto can be really beneficial for a lot of people, especially people who suffer from Parkinson's or maybe have some underlying issues um, neurologically. But keto, you know, I, I had a client who came to me and she said, okay, I want to start this program, um, but I really, uh, I want to adopt the keto lifestyle. And I said, okay, well, you know, let's, let's, you know, tackle this a little bit. Why do you feel like keto would be beneficial for you? And she said, because my friend did keto and she lost 20 pounds really quickly. I said, okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's definitely a lot, a good reason why you would want to jump on keto. I said, okay, let me ask you this. So do you like carbs? She's like, yes, I love carbs. Oh my gosh. Like I love them so much, but I really want to lose this weight. I said, okay. So what happens when we jump on this keto plan? You love carbs in the beginning, it's going to feel really easy, but you're going to hit a point where you're going to start to feel like you're white knuckling it through the day, meaning you're going to think about carbs, you're going to obsess about carbs, you're probably going to binge on carbs nine times out of 10, then you're going to go back to square one, and you're going to start over again, okay, I'm going to start keto again on Monday, and this vicious cycle will start and it'll keep repeating, and only a reason I say that is because I've gone through it, and I know dozens and dozens of ladies who've gone through it. So I said, what about if we did this? You know, we, you like carbs, so you need to learn to trust that and find ways to keep the fruit in or the, vet, the, the, the oatmeal and the rice in, but portion control and eating it very strategically through your day so that number one, you don't feel deprived. And number two, it's sustainable for the rest of your life. Because when you jump on keto and let's say you do lose the weight, which you probably will, what happens when you go on vacation and it's full of carbs? You're going to come back probably 10 pounds heavier and probably feeling like crap. And you're also going to feel bad about yourself, you know, because we've already created scenarios for you to feel bad about yourself when you're not following it perfectly or when you've told yourself this, this food is taboo so I can't eat it, then you feel guilt and shame around it. We just need to create sustainable habits now that will help you feel successful, help your body to change your body composition. And then we start to tackle why she's doing those things, why she's gained the weight. And most, most, most of the time it's because she is a yo-yo dieter or she overeats, you know, at certain meals. And so we really just have to tackle again, the behavior, and then we have to change the behavior in order to set sustainable habits. It is far too common to do the yo-yo dieting without understanding the intuition. And mm -hmm. I also talk in my course about there is no cheats or treats. It is like you said, like 80-20 and something that you want long-term. Yeah. So it's not on and off. Yes. You mentioned nine years of dieting. I wanna ask you about being a pro bodybuilder. Can you share your experience in the IFBB? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. 
I had no idea, like literally what I was getting into because I, I turned pro at my very first national show. So I didn't even know what to expect. I was literally right place, right time. And I got thrown into the pro mix fairly quickly. And I kind of got pushed in the ranks fairly quickly too. I got my first pro win my first year as a pro. I, by the end of my competing years, I had been to the Olympia seven years in a row. At one point I was top four in the world. So, you know, I was pushed through the ranks fairly quickly. And it was really a whirlwind for me. And I enjoyed it. Like what I loved most was because I grew up as an athlete, I loved the goal setting and seeing the, you know, the progress and seeing like all of the, the results of setting that goal. But it's really hard to maintain that. And the pressure got to me. And, and it's not necessarily pressure that others put on me. I think it's more pressure I put on myself because I am that type A personality. One thing that I look back on after competing on stages like the Olympia or the Figure International is one thing I, I wish that I enjoyed the moments a little bit more. I, again, just being that type A person, I, I never just stopped to smell the roses. I was that okay, what's next? You know, what's next? What, what can I achieve next? What am I getting ready for? And one thing that I look back on, and I think just being older, um, I've learned to just kind of be about the less hustle and more being present. I think hustle can be fantastic. I was like that throughout my whole 20s, which has allowed me to be successful. But it's hard to maintain that without getting a burnout. And so, you know, I've learned to really enjoy the moment, be present, enjoy the experiences, and also not be afraid of failure. Um, that was another big thing in my 20s. I was always afraid to lose. And I think that's also what caused a lot of my anxiety over the course of my competing years is because I put so much pressure on myself to win. And it was... It, it was really, it was really hard on me, you know? So those times, like I said, there is a mixed emotion, a lot of great, amazing memories with the, all the other amazing women. And again, I was awarded such awesome opportunities that I look back on. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. I'm, I'm so you know proud of myself, but also it, there was also a lot of downside with that as well. Um, that not a lot of people talk about. Um, but I think it absolutely is important to know. I know it's called the post show blues, but I love that you were able to turn that into something to help people that aren't athletic and just want to live a more balanced life. I have like a, a selfish question here, but what do you think of the new wellness division that NPC has added? Oh, you know what? I think it's, it's interesting. I feel like, well, just to be honest, I, I think it's awesome to have divisions that everybody can compete in, right? And that feel that they are a part of. And I think that is so important. But I also feel like, and this is again, just me playing sort of devil's advocate and sort of being that person who maybe kind of sees the other side of things. It's just, I feel like it might be another way for the NPC to make more money. Um, you know, when they added the bikini division, again, everybody jumped on the bandwagon and honestly the body types and the, the way that they judge these shows now completely changed. And I feel like when I competed as a figure competitor, I think if you were to take my body back then, I would probably be more like a bikini competitor because now everything is just going more muscular. I always like to, to bring a positive spin on things because I think like 
you know, I never want to bring negativity into to anything. And, and I always like to look at things in, in a very positive way. So I, that's where I'm like, okay, this division could be really good for women who have that body type, you know, that really good muscular leg and muscular physique, muscular glutes and, and quads. I think that's fantastic. And it's such a beautiful body. But I also, like I said, just playing devil's advocate, I think it's a way the NPC can just make more money, to be honest. I was surprised at the look. I feel like the legs are a lot bigger. I thought it was just going to be like a slight increase. Yeah. Uh, but I could just be saying that because I have like such difficulty <laughs> growing my legs. I was always really, it was always really tough for me too. I feel like a lot of those ladies that are going to gravitate in the wellness division will genetically just have that amazing like sprinter quad and just really nice athletic quad that that they'll work they'll have to work on obviously but i also think there'll probably be some underlying genetics there too yeah some girls have to work on bringing their legs down so mm -hmm. it's interesting i saw you were on fit to fat to fit yeah what, what did you learn from that experience oh wow okay so to give you some context or audience some context so Fit to Fat to Fit was a, a reality show that I did where I had to, it was an eight month process. It aired on Lifetime um, in January of 2018. And the eight month contract was essentially, well, the context behind it was they took a fit trainer and then they took a client, which for this season, I was on season two, they happened to use a family member or someone that was close to you. So there was eight trainers total, I believe. Yeah, there was about, yeah, I think there was eight of us. So they took my sister. So my sister was about a hundred pounds overweight at the time. So the first four months of filming, I had to gain weight and basically adopt the lifestyle of my sister, which is pretty crazy. She was like a desk job, nine to five, didn't work out or wasn't very active and ate a lot of fast food. So I had to adopt that and I gained about 27, 28 pounds over the course of four months. And then the following four months, I had to lose it with my sister. So when we worked out together, I trained her and there was a lot of, you know, fights and a lot of like bickering back and forth. But then there was a lot of like just amazing breakthroughs and it was quite the experience. And what it taught me was number one, to never take my health for granted to have to eat that way and then to just feel that way. But also knowing that after I put on the weight, it was actually really tough for me to get back to a healthy lifestyle because I enjoyed at that time being lazy and I enjoyed going through the drive-through. So then I could imagine, and this is someone with a fitness background, how hard it is for someone who's not ever been active or wants to change their life how hard it can be. And really the, the whole, you know, kind of the idea behind the show was for that trainer to put themselves in that person's shoes and understand it. And it allowed me to be so much more sympathetic for the times that I told my sister, like, just start a program, just get moving, just do it. And it's so much harder than that. But number one, it did really allow me to never really take my health for granted. And to know that we all have this ability to move our bodies. And it's so important to our mental health and our overall health to do that. It sounds like it was very eye-opening for everybody involved. Very eye-opening. And my sister lost like 80 pounds. So, and she's off. So it was pretty powerful. Oh, that's great. Good for her. Yeah. Do you work with individual clients right now, online training or just the corporate wellness? 
I do. Yeah. So I do have a high ticket coaching program where I work with one-off people and I customize their programs. I created an app that, you know, basically allows me to stay in contact with my clients all around the world and then my corporate wellness as well. So yeah, I do both. And where can we find you online? Oh, super easy to get a hold of. So you can find me at Felicia Romero on Instagram, FeliciaRomero.com or at the Diet Dropout Podcast. Super accessible um, on my website. There's ways to get a hold of me as well and follow me. So yeah. Thanks so much for sharing and congrats on all of your success. Thank you. This was a fun conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. You can find every episode, including the written versions to read on AaronRowe.com. Be sure to leave a review because I love hearing your opinions on the topics I shared. Are they new? Are they helpful for you? Tap that subscribe button so you don't miss the future interviews and enlightenment to come. This episode was brought to you by me, and only me because I love sharing new ideas with you. Take action to become better. Have a fabulous day.